0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm Russell DeWitt, joined by my co host Nicholas Moriano, and I want to thank you for joining us for the second part of our rankings of all of the moves that the Chicago Bears have made this offseason. In our previous episode, we shared moves 25 all the way down to number 11, and if you missed that, I encourage you to go ahead and give that one a listen to. Order probably doesn't matter. Um, But if you're like me, sometimes I do like to keep things uh, as orderly as possible, but it's totally up to you because today's episode, believe it or not, we're going to wrap things up by revealing our top 10 bears moves of the off season. Nick, I know we're doing a double feature here tonight. You switched up your internet connection and it chef's kiss. It's working much more, uh, much more better. Is that even English? It's working much better. Uh, And I'm hopeful that it can last throughout the show me too. we We know
1: how we do when sometimes we give compliments to the internet. It, it doesn't take them doesn't take them the right way. So hopefully it keeps on going and we get it through these these top ten and able to you know, just have a clean show.
0: That's right. Clean show. It's it's where it's at. Uh, Anything that you want to preface our top 10 with? I don't have anything in my notes other than, Nick, are you ready? I think I said that like three times in the previous episode, so I'm not going to ask you that. I'm just curious. Is there anything that you want to say before we dive in to these top 10? I think when you
1: hear these top 10 as they unfold here throughout the podcast, it makes sense. You're gonna be like, well, yeah, that should be there because that is an important move. That's gonna help the Bears in X, Y, and Z ways. So, yeah, just again, how the order of which they came, you'll see in a, in a couple of minutes here. But yeah, there's nothing too, nothing crazy here, and we'll we'll get into it in just a minute.
0: And the interesting part is like when you look at the spreadsheet, we do have some ones where I had in the top ten, you had out, but just based off the you know how things got weighted and ranked it's a com- it's a conclusive top 10 and even though there are some things in here i would disagree and say it's not really a top 10 move and you would say the same i, I like that you know we can butt our heads a little bit but just knowing like hey we're gonna average them out in our top 10 i think you know looking at them here for the most of the day as we're preparing for the show uh the more i was like like you I was like oh yeah i can i can get behind some of these that maybe i wasn't prior to you know when i was making my own list
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that is something, and I, it's so funny. Look, I'm gonna say it right now. Well, we were just talking about me not saying absolutely, and I just literally said it. But I think that that, that helps too when we have a, a document, and look, I didn't look at yours, and you filled it out. I filled out mine on my own, and then we could compare and contrast here. But again, come to a conclusion that makes sense. So yeah, I completely agree with you on that part. Absolutely. man we're gonna see how well I can take what we just talked about in the green room and apply it throughout this podcast we'll see if I pass or
0: fail I'm thinking about some technology I want for future episodes that sits above your head so every time you say it I can click it and it's like absolutely counter like one two three and you can just watch it rack up throughout the entire episode
1: that would be pretty fun, though, and entertaining, just uh, me battling against you know, technology and me just going to my go-to, and I don't know where that developed, but it'll have, it'll, it'll go away,
0: hopefully. Well, with that said, go let's away. go ahead and jump in <laughs> to our top 10 moves of the offseason for the Chicago Bears. So it's breaking down into the first half, and that means we're going to be looking at moves 10 through 6th. So the 10th best move that the Bears made, or I could say the top 10 move. I don't know how to phrase this because some of these aren't best. It's just impactful uh, as well. Uh, but the 10th move that we ranked here this offseason for the Bears is going to be the signing of Andy Dalton. Nick, I know this felt flat, so flat when this first happened because we were hearing about Deshaun Watson. We are hearing about Russell Wilson. And then we got Andy Dalton uh, that kind of fell into our laps. Now that we have the whole picture, how does that change your mind about this move overall?
1: What I think now that you look at the Andy Dalton signing, it, it fits into the plan that Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, the Bears organization kind of has in terms of what they have in their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, having a guy that can, he could start. Andy Dalton can start week one. He could be a guy that, you can depend on, knows the system with Bill Lazor, somebody that's won some games, obviously, in the NFL, just being with Cincinnati and, you know, obviously with the Cowboys last season. But, yes, and still looking at, at $10 million there, Will, for a guy like Andy Dalton, is that expensive? It, it really is for what maybe at some point in the season is going to be the backup, right, if we're all anticipating for things to fall into place like they should. But now it, it makes sense because there there is that plan with the rookie quarterback and how the Chiefs handle things with Mahomes and and Alex Smith so that's why you're envisioning and seeing well how does Andy Dalton really fit into the equation that's how and we'll see how it maybe becomes different or the same when the season actually starts week 1 but you have somebody that I think is capable of running Matt Nagy's offense obviously they went out and got him and paid him pretty well for maybe just for just a season so that's why he's ten. Maybe this may be the most controversial pick, or not pick. It's not a pick. We're not in the draft, but the controversial, just consensus move
0: out of all of them, really. Where did I have him ranked, and where did you have him ranked? I don't have it in front of me.
1: Of course, will I close you, it down? You closed but, the
0: spreadsheet. You know, oh, I just want to say
1: like anything. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have it. I can open it up real quick, and I don't think a, a spreadsheet. Well, I got you. We'll see here. Uh, and we had Andy Dalton at so I six and 16.
0: Who had six and who had 16? That's important. I think you had six, right? I
1: think my contacts are failing me right now, so I can't really. Yeah, no, it's I had six, <laughs> and, you, and you had 16, averaging out to that 11th uh, spot in here.
0: Okay, well, and again, that, that works out. So, yes, the 10th spot, uh, by the way, 11th in the spreadsheet, 10th in the overall rankings here. But yes, it to me it's mid tier kind of. It's not to me a top five type of move. Obviously, you didn't have a top five either. Uh, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Um, but with the complete picture, someone else that can be a role model uh, for Justin Fields, someone who is a former first round pick who's been in the league for a decade. So someone that he can learn from about how to be a professional quarterback. Not that you know Justin isn't anything but professional. Uh, you know, watching from QB one this time at Ohio State. But just learning from someone who's been in the league is going to be very tremendous for him, whether he's sitting behind him or starting ahead of. When I look at Andy Dalton right now, too, you know, is he a bridge? Maybe we'll have to find out. If Justin Fields lights up this offseason, you may have to start him here. And this isn't the episode to determine who's going to start or not. We're just looking at the moves that the Bears made. And when you just look at the complete picture, right, you, you couldn't get Watson. And again, maybe that's probably for the best. Uh, you couldn't get Russell Wilson that you need to have to to tango in a trade. And you look around the rest of the league, and at the time you didn't drafting a franchise quarterback like Justin Fields never felt like a possibility for the Bears. As much as it hurts to say, it made sense. It was another kind of insurance type of pick. Someone that if you had to wait another year to either get someone for agency, who's better, or drafting a long-term potential solution, you know, you had to bite the bullet to do so. Uh, but the Bears get the best case scenario here, knowing that Dalton should just be a you know a one year guy here in the system, be that bridge quarterback potentially, or at least a mentor uh, for Justin Fields. And he did have a good second half of the season in Dallas last year. I mentioned it when we signed him. He had a thirteen to five touchdown interception ratio from weeks eleven to seventeen, which was tied for first in the league with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not comparing the two quarterbacks, but if you will, I if, I think it's a good way to just say like. If Dalton's out there, he can be serviceable and he can play within the system. Now, Dustin Fields can play above the system, but we're not talking about him right now. When it comes to Andy Dalton, Nick, is there anything else that, uh, I guess, weighed, uh, in your opinion, to rank him? I know you had six, uh, so I'm curious if there is anything else that kind of weighed heavily here to kind of move him up the way you did.
1: I think what is important, but it depends how people look at this, if Andy Dalton is a starter week one, You look at some of the opponents they're going to face, and again, I don't know how much this factors into, you know, how he will play, but you play the Bengals. You play the Browns within the first three weeks. AFC North guys, or teams. Andy Dalton is obviously, you know, being with the Cincinnati Bengals, knows the teams that the Bears are going to play this season. And if that weighs into the equation of whether or not he should start in the beginning, he's familiar against those opponents, maybe that factors into what, the Bears wanted to like Andy Dalton. He's had he's had a lot of success against the Cleveland Browns. Yes, it's not these Browns. I think he's twelve and five in his career against the Cleveland Browns. Again, they've gotten so much better since he's played there. But that's also something to where Andy Dalton knows he can beat some of these teams. He can't beat Pittsburgh though. I think that's the one team where looking at the records just it's <laughs> not in Andy Dalton's favor. But hopefully by that point you know, Justin Fields is starting, but that's also another thing to at least keep in mind as well. And also look, we know, and we're going to talk about uh, another Tevin Jenkins at some point, but he's going to be playing left tackle. Would you rather have him kind of experiment with being left tackle with Andy Dalton, as quarterback? I know this sounds like cynical in a way, but, or, or, or Justin Fields, you, you want, look, just saying like, you don't want Justin Fields to take those unnecessary hits because someone's trying to still learn that position. Just saying, I hope Andy Dalton's okay, but just going to put that out there.
0: So you're saying Andy crash test dummy Dalton is going to be how you're looking at him here for the first few weeks? I mean, you do have have a whole new starting unit, right? Two probably new stackles starting on the outside. You got to work out how the middle's going to, you know, kind of finally play out too. So it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period. So again, cynical, malicious, but potentially accurate.
1: Will, someone had to say it. <laughs> someone had to say it <laughs> where, where like someone needs to go out there and be the the test dummy, <laughs> right? Like you said, so be the test dummy. But again, we don't want any to get hurt because I think best case scenario, like what happened in 2017, Alex Smith played the whole season. The offense was still good. The offense was running, and then Patrick Mahomes didn't have to play, there wasn't a echoing from fan for the fan base saying you've got to get Patrick Mahomes in there because the offense stinks. If Andy Dalton can quiet the storm a little bit and because you want Justin Fields to be the best version of himself when he finally takes over, it's probably best that he's still running the offense efficiently. Again, we'll see how it all plays out, but
0: test dummy Andy Dalton. Maybe. Maybe. And I, I think one other point that we haven't said explicitly, but it should be said too, Andy Dalton can give you more... Quality and consistent play than probably a Nick Foles in this offense. If you're looking, and I know that you know the Bears were trying to trade Nick Foles. Who knows? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be on the roster for the year. More in that ploach, right? That player coach uh, type of a role. Um, but I would rather have Andy Dalton on the field to start the season than a Nick Foles.
1: Me too. I th- we saw the the Nick Foles experiment it just didn't work out. It's not the same offense that he ran in 2017 with the, the, um, the Eagles there. So, Again, it all comes down to it makes sense.
0: It sure does. That's one you can put into your repertoire there, Nick. It sure does. Let's move on to the ninth best move that the Bears made this offseason, which is going to be the releasing of another player. And it's going to be Charles Leno Jr. Uh, this is a very recent move, but it's still a very important one. Uh, after drafting Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, buskeeping you know, Jermaine Fetty around signing an Elijah Wilkinson. It really just wasn't any room, both physically and fiscally, on this Bears roster to keep number 72 there. I know this is a move that, you know, probably elated a lot of Bears fans when they finally saw that news break. Uh, even though this is a good move for the Bears, you know, on the field uh, here in Chicago, I think we're going to miss Charles off the field a little bit. You know, very active in the community, uh, charitable giving, and he's also a very good, just overall human being. Uh, it's been An honor watching him kind of blossom uh, from, you know, that seventh round pick all the way to starting left tackle, Uh, get engaged, get married, have a kid. I mean, that's what I love about being a Bears fan and watching some of these young men, you know, grow into adults. And Charles Leonard Jr. is definitely no exception. Uh, Watching his rise over the years was awesome, but he just hit a really hard plateau and the contract that he had He wasn't worth the money Uh, and honestly we saw a little bit of regression uh, out of him as well so the move made a lot of sense for you Nick when it comes to Charles Leno Jr. and just his departure what does that signify for you other than well Tevin Jenkins is going to get a shot at left tackle which uh, we'll talk about Tevin probably in this show I'm not going to try to give away everything that's coming up but uh, other than that what does it signify to you?
1: Really, it signifies, again, similar to what they s- saw in the right tackle position in Bobby Massey, they just weren't going to accept the the downplay of that position and Charles Allen Jr. not just being able to do his job anymore. That's what the Bears really said with some of these releases of veteran players. And both their tackles. They're, they're, it's not acceptable to play at that level anymore because now we have... We they've always had valuable ass, assets back there, right, with their quarterback position. But now, now there really is one with Justin Fields. So they need to just have people in place they can trust. There was remember that there was a good stretch of games, well, where Charles L Jr. was one of the most penalized players in the league. Yeah. So there were there were times of like that. There was just him not getting out in space and being able to hold a block. Or there's so many different things that you can point to throughout the last two years, I would think is where I think this spiraled down out of control for him to where now now he's not here. So I think that really is why the Bears made the move. It's an important one because the Bears are moving forward. But you cannot deny that a seventh-round draft pick made the most out of his time here in Chicago for the first couple of years. Like You don't expect that. Seventh-round draft picks usually will every time we talk about them. Yeah, they're not going to be on the roster come week one. They're going to be maybe a practice squad guy. Charles Leno Jr. battled that adversity, made a name for himself, and now where is he with the the Washington football team? If I'm not yes. mistaken, so look at that already has another job in itself. Some an, another team looked at him, said we could use a guy like you, and that's I think that is the epitome of who he is. It just didn't work out here at the end, but you know, again, wishing him
0: all the best of luck. I think his new contract's about half the amount what he was going to get paid this year, which. That would have been, you know, that would have been something to consider uh, if the price tag was a, a little bit lower. But you said it, not every seventh round pick turns out to have the, you know, the time, the tenure that Charles was able to put together here in Chicago. It's like Alex, uh, you know, at like Chavius Simmons or Arlington Hambright turning into be a quality starter for, you know, a handful of years. That seems like a long shot right now, right? But that's what Charles was able to do. So, you know, I'm glad, though, Nick, that our tone, even though we're saying it was an awesome move, to, you know, move on from Charles Leno Jr., I'm glad we both kind of took the tone of like showing some appreciation, um, but also making sure we are looking ahead for the what's best for this team long term and even this season. And that is unfortunately for Charles Leno Jr. not being on this football team. And don't you dare say what I think you're going to say to rebuke that, which is, yeah, absolutely.
1: I think I was just going to say, stay mute and just you know go on to the next one. But well, I, I for people that, I don't know, like, you know, as we know, doing a podcast for some time now, will on the bears, like there's some bears fans that are just, they're just, they just got some hatred in their heart, man. Like you'll just bash players. Um, that's that shouldn't be the case obviously he's not here because of his play that should be good enough in terms of where like the comments and things like that stop he's on a different team no more but yeah of course give give him credit for what he did here in chicago for the time that he was playing well because he deserves it
0: yeah i totally agree so we need to move to number eight which is one thing i love about this pick it signifies a shift uh, both for the Bears' defense, but also for the remainder of this show, because after this one, it's all about guys who are here and not about guys who are gone. This is the last one who, that made our top twenty-five. That a departure was actually one of the best moves for this team. And if you're kind of counting score at home and you're you know trying to figure out who this is, I'm sure you may have figured it out by now. And it is the releasing of ex-nickel cornerback Buster Screen, Nick. When it comes to Buster Screen not being here in Chicago, why is that a good thing for the Bears?
1: It's a good thing, Will, because now there's some younger guys that are going to get opportunities to play such an important position on the defense. And with Buster Screen, he had, and we mentioned it on the last episode, that maybe he had a first initial good season. Again, being with the Bears defense, that's going to happen. But now we saw regression, obviously, and maybe the penalties weren't there, but he just wasn't able to stay with guys. You just got to see if somebody else can, if, if it is a Duke Shelley, a Kendall Vildor, a Thomas Graham Jr., whoever it may be, you need to see if that, if those types of players can be an upgrade at that position, because obviously Buster screen was taking all the reps there and he, he did get injured later in the season, but you just need to see if one of these younger guys that you drafted can just provide an uptick at a position where nickel corner, you're playing more, more of that than you are any base defense. And with the the receiving cores you're going to face just in the NFC North alone, you better have a good nickel corner. So that's why this is important. That's why there's an opportunity for whoever that next guy is. And that's why it's number eight. It's just a big move, and we'll see which next guy can take advantage of that opportunity to make a name for himself. They're still looking for that Buster or Buster Screen, Bryce Callahan type of player that consistent you can count on. They haven't found that.
0: No, they have not found that replacement for Bryce yet. There's only one and only uh, Bryce Callahan here in the NFL, and he's not in Chicago, unfortunately, uh, any longer. Uh, When it comes to Buster screen, uh, one thing about this move that I would say it matters, but it doesn't, is a little bit of money savings, right? It's like about $3 million. I think it's only like two point seven. Uh, so unlike a Charles Leno Jr. or a Bobby Massey that we talked about, on this countdown that you save a decent chunk of change, this one it's more about the play on the field than it is the actual pay of the player. And you said it. This allows the opportunity for other people to step up on this roster. And if you brought back Buster screen, the consensus would be he's your starter. And knowing the Bears how I think you and I do know this team, they wouldn't have made a true competition in camp. They did not give an illusion of a competition in camp. But Buster Scream being a two-year starter here in this defense, I think he would have got the nod to start the season and would have taken a lot to uproot him. Because honestly, he should have been benched before he even got injured last year. So I think just the opportunity that it brings, even though the Bears didn't go out and find a true nickel corner, they're going to roll with you know who they have right now on this roster, plus the drafting of a Thomas Graham Jr., who can play inside and outside as well. They didn't heavily attack it. They're having a lot of confidence that some of this talent can fill this void, which I think I would agree with them for the most part, even though there was a point this offseason where we were hoping uh, that they would attack this position just uh, a little bit more aggressively, whether it be in the draft or whether it be uh, free agency too. Um, But, yeah, it just really, to me, it's what it signifies. Just what you said about Charles Leonard Jr., this coaching staff, offense, defense, special teams, it doesn't matter. What we saw out of this position last year – that's not the level that's acceptable for us here in Chicago, and we need to do better. And I think just holding that higher standard and holding people accountable by letting someone go like this signifies that. And I don't want to underestimate that importance to the mentality of a football team to do mo- you know hard decisions uh, like this one. Because even though it's, from our perspective, easy to let them go, it was a two-year starter, even though we saw regression. And they could have easily, you know, we'll see if you can have a bounce back year here, here in 2021, but they decided not to. The uh, thing is, Will,
1: too, just one last thing. Yeah.
0: You also just get younger
1: at the position, right? True. This is a Bears team that is just older. It, when you look at around the rest of the league, it, there's an older team. Releasing a guy like him, you, the guys that we, we mentioned earlier are obviously still just starting their careers here and trying to figure out what their role is, but they just bring that youth, and that's something that I think you can also add to this
0: defense. Oh, that's a really good point here, Meg. Oh, one second. We have more breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is, as you should know, your pubic service announcement and the news that you've been waiting for. And yes, I'm back to let you know that the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they've successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available to purchase in the USA and canada uh, i was one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and i've just been blown away by its performance uh, the craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology it's just so good it almost seems as if manscaped worked with elon musk's engineers to ensure that your testes are as safe as possible the optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer it's waterproof so you can groom the shower and not have to worry about making a mess uh, on the bathroom floor Uh, this new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four so if you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer it's time to make some changes get 20% off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And all you have to do is use that code F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D 20 F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D 20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with the job with Manscaped. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Russell DeWitt. Join with me is my co-host Nicholas Moriano. We are counting down the Chicago Bears top 25 moves this offseason. This is part two of that countdown we are inside the top 10 and we are knocking on the door of the top fives moves so far made this offseason and we are unveiling move number seven right now which is the re-signing of kicker cairo santos that's right santos little helper his five-year extension it's more like a three-year nine million dollar deal with two void years on top of it but anywho nick the franchise leader in field goal percentage For a single season with 93.8, he's back. And the Bears have a kicker uh, that has proven that he can be the man for the job for the first time since Robbie Gold. And I think this is reason enough to have this ranked where we have it.
1: I think with this, too, well, you don't have any lingering issues or question marks about kicker. It's Cairo Santos. You feel good about that. Going into 2021, he felt good about it last season. Just what he was able to do, uh, what was it, 26 or 27 consecutive field goals made. So a guy that was consistent, dependable, and reliable, and now he's on the Bears for a good amount of time. So I'm glad that we don't have to ever talk about this again, hopefully, about just kick Kicking drama in general, leave that in the past. We are in 2021 now, but that is, it's an important move because the bears offensively, they need to rely on a guy like Cairo Santos a lot. Hopefully that's not the case moving forward, but it's nice to know that, Hey, when there are offenses or offensive drives that stall, you have Cairo Santos who can nail a a field goal, whatever range he feels comfortable at and give you those points. So it's still a success, but obviously, you know, you're going to want touchdowns. But it's nice having that insurance policy. Cairo Santos is money. He is dependable. And the Bears have him for at least three more years.
0: Yeah, and the deal isn't that bad. Three years, $9 million. I mean, it's an average of $3 million per season. And I think it's a little backloaded too, to kind of help with some of the, you know, restraints that the Bears had this year when it came to their cap. Uh, so that's another kind of bonus inside of this and a, a hole. And honestly, Nick, I don't think it hit me until you were just talking though right like all the field goals that he made in a row I uh, finished a season with the highest field goal percentage in franchise history for a single season and it was a year that started with like 10 kickers that were going in for tryouts and he was someone that wasn't even a part of all that kind of came on here late uh, in the offseason you know late in the summer uh, as someone else to kind of be added to the fire and out of all the chaos that surrounded that position and every resource that the Bears kind of, you know, put into it, uh, you know, bringing in specialists and, uh, you know, consultants and different coaches, they got a guy who broke a franchise record. I mean, that's just miraculous at that. Uh, just saying, I mean, I never even put, you know, all of that together. Like, we started from, we'll figure this out. Yeah, okay. And then they actually did.
1: They, they did. And the thing is, too, with, with Cairo Santos, when you look at just individuals in general, like people will follow, you know, certain players throughout their career. This is a guy that's battled adversity, right? When he was a successful kicker with the chiefs has some injuries and then has to go find a job bouncing from team team has a, you know, just battling adversity and seeing him come is still on top for now. And you got to be consistent, but you like to, you like to hear good stories like that too. And with the bears in their situation, it's fitting that you find somebody that, you know, going through their own thing. Like the bears are going through their, their search for a kicker. They met up and now, you know, everything seems to be in place. So yeah, it's just again, a good move by the bears. A lot of work was done to get to this point, but I'm glad they did because they found somebody that obviously they feel comfortable in. And I think bears fans should as well.
0: They should. Uh, I would hope that they do if they don't hear already. Nick, if we would have, if I would have told you when we did our top 10 show a, a year ago of offseason moves, and if I would have told you that we would find a kicker uh, that would break franchise records, and we would also would secure him to a, you know, a deal that keeps him in Chicago for a while, would you be surprised to say it's only at number seven, just where your mindset was a year ago? Because I think I would.
1: It would be surprising, and I wouldn't have thought it would be Cairo Santos. It would have been Eddie Pinero, right? Because mm-hmm. that, he was supposed to have this job and, you know, things worked out the way they did but yeah easily
0: all right anything else on a kicker i feel like the fact that you know it's a not an easy position but it's not a versatile one either you make the kicker you don't uh he's making them we're happy about it was hope that that can roll from one season to the next i i you know hopefully that the fire stays lit and we come back next season you know without skipping uh, a beat and that's what we're hoping for here and I, i'm glad Uh, That's kind of the case uh, that we're kind of dealing with. But I'm excited to move into number six because number six is something that in January, if you told me what have happened, I would have never thought it would even make the top 25. Yet here we are, the sixth best move that the Bears made this offseason, which I disagree. I think it should be higher than what is even ranked. They kept Ryan Pace. Uh, This is something where when the Bears season ended, Everyone uh, was calling for Ryan Pace's head, Matt Nagy as well. You know, get him out of here and start fresh. But without keeping Ryan Pace this offseason, it never happened. It looks nothing uh, like it did. You know, if you get a rookie GM, he doesn't trade up for Justin Fields. A rookie GM may have blown everything up. You, like moving on with Akeem Hicks, uh, even some of the other bigger veterans on this team as well. Ryan Pace, uh, you know, it's really early. It's only been a few weeks. But there's a consensus that he pretty much nailed this draft. He also found a lot of cheap veterans and free agency that kind of helped set the stage for a draft where you can go best player available and the draft class is solid. So I just want to say, you know, Ryan Pace did a, you know, a badass job uh, dealing with what he had to. He had conviction. He went up for Justin Fields. And I think that by itself should have moved this up a, a little bit higher because I think I had this at like two or three and then you had it pretty low. Not pretty low, yes. but lower
1: so looking at the, the sheet here, I had it at number 11. You had it at number three. And I'll say why I had it at number 11. I think ah, it's going to give away maybe too much about Justin Beal, but it really, I don't know if it, more so the influence came from the other guy we'll talk about later, the head oh, okay. coach than I think Ryan Pace. Cause when you look at those top quarterbacks, any, I think a GM coming into this, knowing that Andy doll, and Nick Foles are there. You're going to need a quarterback for the future. And, you know first year you can kind of do what you want if you want to trade those those draft picks like Ryan Pace has done all the year all these years you're more i think able to do that early on than you are later in your career but look i'll give him look when we talked about this draft class afterwards well he did a hell of a job he really did but those first two picks like you could put me in that draft room i want Justin Fields i want Tevin Jenkins let's try to make it happen i wonder how much of an in for Yes, Ryan Pace had an influence in this. No doubt about it. But I wonder how much. And we'll talk about the other two um, moves that were made this offseason that I think have more to do with why this offseason played out the way it did than with uh, Mr. Ryan Pace here. Because, like I said, it had an 11. Like, if the Bears would have fired him, I still think they could have done a good job in this draft. Maybe they get Justin Fields. Maybe they don't. But, you know, we'll never know. But it's – It's still what just outside the top ten in my list that I have
0: there. I still think, Nick, for everything that we heard about what this man was trying to do to get us a franchise quarterback, with all the odds stacked against us, and he, you know, he put everything that he could out there into the universe to find a way to make it happen. With a rookie, I'm telling you, with a rookie GM coming in and looking at this roster, I don't think they'd do the same thing. Uh, I don't believe you can you can be that aggressive. Uh, I don't think you would have. You know the green light from ownership to go that gung-ho. And so in Ryan Pace, who maybe his backup was against the wall a bit and he had to come out clawing, I, I think that kind of almost maybe, I don't want to say it's way so early, but there's a chance that the 2021 offseason, after Ryan Pace has been here, and we've been doing this podcast, we're entering year seven, Nick, by the way. Crazy. This could be his best offseason that he's been able to put together. And he's had some really good ones when you look at the 2018 one, even a few to kind of help restore with this, roster looked like when he took over from Phil Emery. Uh, So I'm excited to see maybe some of this pressure and the fire on his seat. Maybe it got the best, uh, you know, brought the best out of Ryan Pace. And I know that's as a job as a GM, you can never tell how well they're doing until it's too late. Uh, So we'll find out, but I'm trying to, you know, drink this glass or look at this glass with a half full mentality. And I think a lot of people are, and I'm not saying you're not, um, but I I have a strong conviction and I'm going to use a Ryan Pace-ism here that uh, this offseason doesn't go nearly the way it did uh if he was not RGM.
1: We'll have to wait and see, we have to see that that Ryan Pace hair that, you know, I always try to comment every time. You know, actually the one press conference when they got Justin Fields, he did look like he was energized. It just looked like a new new person. And of course, you get a new quarterback, but he looked like a a new person. And I think, you know, getting getting Justin Fields to do that too.
0: I mean, I feel like, don't you? Like, I feel like True, I could yeah. do another thousand podcast episodes all about Justin <laughs> Fields. Like, I am energized. I'm juiced. I'll bring back a 2018 word. I don't mind. I'm ready uh, to rock and roll uh, just due to some of those big decisions. But you mentioned the hair. The hair may have been worth, you know, keeping that around in Chicago may have been worth a few points in your book. I don't think it would have moved them out of my top <laughs> three into a top two or one spot, but. Just saying, but Nick, we have the top five left, uh, which I'm very excited about because as gung-ho as I was about Ryan Pace, I think these remaining five are, you know, very important moves that are going to really kind of change the course and the scape of this franchise. So let's go ahead and dive in to the final five moves that the Bears made this offseason. So the fifth best move the Bears made this year, we had promoting Sean Desai to defensive coordinator. Nick, simple question, complicated answer time. Why?
1: This is a crucial move for the Bears defense to give it the best opportunity to go back to that version. It won't be like 2018. I think doesn't matter who you bring in. It's not going to get to that level. But this move gets it to a position where it can get the closest to it. Right, so and there's no guarantee with Sean Desai being in his first year, but he's highly touted by guys like Lewis Riddick and whatever whoever Lewis Riddick's, you know, advocating for. I think you should too. So this is a guy that I think will get the most out of his defense. And when the Bears did promote Sean Desai, I reached out to Matt Bowen just to see what what can he bring. And the three things just have him here um, in a bullet point list. You can expect more fronts from the defensive line. And what they'll do is bring up that schemed pressure with those fronts, something that maybe with Chuck Pagano, you didn't see as much of, and you'll disguise the coverages from split safety alignments a little more with Sean Desai with that big Fangio influence, because, Will, I still think the Bears have a lot of playmakers on defense. Yes, they've lost Kyle Fuller. They've lost some guys here and there over the years, but they still have enough playmakers that they can be a force in this league. No doubt about it. You just need the right guy calling the plays and a mind that can get the these guys in the best position to make plays. Like Cleo Mack didn't have a year that we were accustomed to seeing. You didn't see the Eddie Jackson just do what he's normally done. If you can get those guys playing at the all-pro levels that they're capable of and get that through Sean Desai and what he's going to bring to this defense, then we're we're talking here like your offense could be you know mediocre you could still win a bunch of football games because of that defense and what it can do so that's why this is so important we have to wait and see if he can replicate that some similar production from what Vic Fangio was able to get out of this unit but I'm excited Bears fans should be excited yes it's a little unknown but this gives them the best chance and that's why this is such an important move
0: Nick, I'm glad you said the F word before I did, right? He's going to be more like a Vic Fangio uh, than he is a Chuck Pagano. Uh, He's someone that, like— you're mentioning it. He should be able to you know, bring a little bit more creativity. Uh, he's a little bit younger. Uh, Chuck Pagano, I think we were all pretty much in agreement, was way too conservative uh, with the talent that he had on the field last season. Uh, so someone that's bringing a little bit more of an aggressive mindset, whether that be aggressive in terms of like how this defense is going to approach other offenses or just attacking them in general and going after the football. Uh, I think those are all things with the skill players that we have and the defensive front that is deep as it is. You should be able to have a lot of fun doing so. You have a you know a defensive line that's deep as any in the league. Uh, you have one of the best young inside linebackers with tremendous range. Uh, you still have Danny Trevathan, who can be serviceable. Maybe he's lost a step, but he's still someone that can be effective if you want to use him in blitzes more uh, than we saw you know a couple of years ago. Very effective in that regard as well. Uh, and then even though we're excited about the changes. What makes this move so important is some of the consistency, too. Uh, He's going to keep the integrity of this defense intact. They're not going to have to learn complete new verbiage, new responsibilities. They're just going to attack offenses uh, just a little bit more uh, aggressively. And I love how he's already setting the tone about the identity of this defense. And it's really sounding like what a Bears defense should be all about. You know, a defense full of passion, a defense full of physicality. And he's mentioning that fans are going to feel that watching this defense if I'm going to feel that watching it in my living room can't imagine what opposing offenses are going to be feeling uh, out there on the field come Sunday so Sean Desai I think it's the blend of new school and a little bit of that Vic Fangio old school and the consistency that really makes this move and I know it's early but I think a home run
1: I like that a lot. Well, and the thing is, too, Sean Desai needs to be his own person in a way. You can't yep. just look to be. I want to be Vic Fangio. You're not. That's not going to be the best thing for Sean Desai. Yes, bring a little bit. I, I like how you phrase it. Old school and new school, and that will be Sean Desai. And we'll see how that impacts this defense.
0: Be sure. Well, moving on down our top five now. The fourth. Best move? I don't know how to phrase this one as a best move, but one of the top moves that the Bears made. uh, The fourth most impactful. How about that? That's going to be the franchise tag of Allen Robinson. I think, Nick, we still want a longer deal for A-Rob, but he's a Bear in 2021, and he's someone that I know didn't have a lot of help from a quarterback ever since he's been here in Chicago. Heck, his entire career uh, here in Chicago or in Jacksonville, Um, but when he looks at his future and he sees Justin Fields maybe he takes a little bit of a pay cut or maybe he's not as aggressive in some of those contract talks and you know, the off season is not over. They can extend him, which can help this year. And for some of the years down the road, but I'm curious how you're looking at it because the reason why I ranked it how I did is it's those last words. I said, Alan Robinson is a bear in 2021. And there was a strong chance that that could have actually not been uh, the reality that we're living in.
1: See, the thing is with, with Alan Robinson, and why I had it, I think, at number three on my list as uh, you know top moves. It's imagining this offense without him. Are, is is Darnell Mooney at this point right now you to no. ready to be exactly? That's a, that's right. What I have in my my bullet point list here. Well, he's not ready to be a number one. Not to say that he can't develop and get to be maybe at that level, but Allen Robinson is, and he was the offense for the Bears the past two seasons, going for back to back a thousand yards in each season. A guy that you know consistently can create separation doesn't have the best speed. That's not what Allen Robinson's known for, but he creates separation like the best of them and gives windows for quarterbacks like Mitchell, Trubisky, that even he can complete passes there. Right, so that's why he's so important. Maybe for his mindset, like I think if if he if it's him, he's gonna go get his money wherever the the highest payer is gonna you know give it to him maybe if it's a trail reconsidered actually he's from Detroit so maybe that would make sense I don't know but let's <laughs> let him go that path but Allen Robinson you're just hoping now that you see a guy like Justin Fields that's arguably the best quarterback you're ever going to play or that he's played with at this point in his career which is crazy a rookie right but I, that's why this is such an important move you have him and once Justin Fields gets on the field uh, it doesn't sound right when you say it, but. Allen Robinson is going to be a big point in just helping develop him and just giving, you know, whatever quarterback it is for the bears opportunities to create plays because that's all Allen Robinson has done regardless of who's throwing the football.
0: Yeah. If they would have let, you know, Allen Robinson walk in free agency and test the market, anyone elsewhere, it would have been like my list and Kyle Fuller, you know, releasing him as in the very bottom. I probably would have had both of them ranked at last and just said, no, they're both going to get that equal weight uh, in our rankings because it would have been uh, that atrocious of a decision that the bears made. But luckily, you know, they did the tag, even though they know that he doesn't like the tag, he's not a fan of the tag. And that's why I'm so hopeful uh, that they can come to an agreement. And I think Alan Robinson, knowing there's a quarterback, a potential franchise quarterback here on this roster when he's looking at his career and he's looking at some of his options, I think to some degree, I know he's wanting his payday and he's going to get paid eventually. He may take a slight discount knowing what he has to work with. Compared, I mean, I would heck, if if hey, we're going to roll with Mitch and Nick Foles for another couple of years. Hey, would you take a pay cut? Heck no. But, hey, we brought in Justin Fields. We're a little tight. You know what? Maybe we can figure something out. So I think it really helps the Bears – you know, keeping him here, of course, for what we know from the offense perspective, but also from a leadership standpoint too. Uh, you know, he's a very—he's a professional. He's a pro's pro. Uh, he's one of my favorite Bears, uh, and I'm glad he's here. And I think you know, being in our top five, uh, making sure he's in his offense is very well deserved.
1: I think too, with him, you talk about some of the off-field stuff. He's—he's he's a complete. He's the model football player that you want for your franchise in terms of off the field, on the field, and that leadership. So. Yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, hold my hopes up that the long-term deal will get done, but it it should, because the Allen Robinson deserves it.
0: Man, that's been a conversation we've been just poking around this podcast <laughs> for two years now.
1: Yeah, that's that's an ongoing. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. Will, but we're here, and it's what month are we in? We're in May. Yeah, look at that. I, I don't even know where we're at right now. We're gonna be in trading camp, but I'm not even gonna know it.
0: Yeah, grad school's really getting you when you don't even know what month it is. Yeah, I got my little DePaul,
1: I don't know, congratulations, it's not my diploma, I'm like, where's my diploma, is that what it is? It said you're graduating, but I don't have a diploma yet, so it's basically saying congrats, so. Yeah. It's oh. tapping it. It's,
0: it's flying by. That's exciting for you. Yeah. No, I understand not knowing where you're at in the world or what time it is last week when I did my little presentation at a high school and I was signing in the office, like what's today? Like May 4th. And like, no, it's like, it's like the 17th or not the 17th. But it was like the 15th or something like that. I was like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> I missed like two weeks of my life. Where's it going? But all right. Getting back to what we need to focus on here though. Uh, we have three more moves. And I'm certain that by process elimination, people have a good understanding of what these three are. But the bigger question is, what order do they fall? So the third best decision slash move that the Bears made this offseason is going to be drafting Tevin Jenkins. Uh, he has a really good chance of becoming the best tackle out of the entire draft class. He's someone that uh, Bears fans are very familiar with through the pre-draft process, being mocked to the Bears consistently at pick number 20. We traded up for him in our mock draft, uh, double dipping for Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. just want to say that we did that first. It's not an original thought or an idea. <laughs> they took it, which we're glad uh, that they were <laughs> listening to our show. Um, but in all seriousness, Nick, what about Tevin Jenkins or what about the decision to trade back up for him is such a big-time move.
1: This is huge for this offensive line as a whole, uh, for you know Justin Fields, for the Bears in general, because he is now most likely, and I know the Bears haven't really officially said it, but he's going to be the Bears' left tackle in place of Charles Arnold Jr. when it's all said and done. And now this is crucial because you need to have a guy like this that you moved up to go get, and deservingly so, because I think Tevin Jenkins is that type of player, he needs to be that left tackle of the future. And this is, for as long as Justin Fields is here, you would like to see Tevin Jenkins be the guy that's blocking for him and just making sure he is safe and able to complete passes, things like that. But it's such a crucial move because the Bears, like we were talking about with Charles Leno, said the play wasn't enough. So we need someone that could be an, an upgrade a consistent upgrade, and one that helps elevate this football team. And that's why the Bears made the move going back up to trade to get a guy like this. The only question mark now going from that right side where he had primarily most of his reps, most of his games started to the left side. And from everything that his, his coaches have said at Oklahoma State and what he has physically, I think he's definitely capable of making that transition. Now we, we just got to see how the Bears develop with Juan Castillo and then make sure he's acclimated to fit that role because come week one, I expect to see Tevin Jenkins as that starter at left tackle.
0: Now that's not this episode. Actually, we're going to be getting to that big conversation about whether or not you know Tevin Jenkins, the left tackle, is the appropriate move. Uh, that's coming up here soon. We got countdown to camp to start. Uh, I'll get some more details about that when we close out the show, but just in terms of looking at this move in general, uh A love the aggressive nature to trade up to go get him when he's sitting there and he was someone that I you knew they were comfortable with drafting at pick number twenty. Uh so the fact that they were, you know, had the conviction to say, you know what, could we allow another tackle to fall to us and we'd be okay with it? Sure. But if we can have the chance to go get our guy, let's go do it. And you talked about, you know, he's, he's a better player than Charles Leno Jr. I mean, at least you're hoping so. He's a first-round talent who dropped to the second round. Charles Leno Jr. was a seventh-rounder that we watched develop. So you're hoping he's going to become better than Charles, and it shouldn't be too hard for him to do so. But the other, I guess, element uh, that weighs in, at least for me here, is how drastically different they are as players and their mentality. Tevin Jenkins, he's going to run you over. Uh, he, he plays with that nasty streak, that mean streak. And I don't think I'm, you know, speaking ill of anyone when I say that the Bears' offensive line, for the past couple of seasons, they haven't had that kind of fortitude about them. They've just been kind of, you know, uh, status quo, business as usual, head down kind of, kind of a unit. And this is a guy who I expect to fire up that starting five, uh, lead the charge a bit. And I think it's going to energize not just the offensive line, but the entire Bears' offense. Heck, this entire Bears' football team by having someone up front who is not afraid to kick some butt. Uh, So that's why, you know, not just the player and better in pass protection, better in run blocking, he should be able to pave the way because the Bears had a hard time running to the left last year. It's who he is from a mental standpoint and what he's going to provide this team. Those are some intangibles that you can't coach. You can't tell someone, hey, I need you to be more assertive or aggressive. Like, those are things that you're just born with. You're not. Charles Leno Jr., very nice guy. Kevin Jenkins, nice guy, but when you put him on the field and he puts that helmet on, it's a whole different ballgame.
1: Well, I think the word that you wanted to say, but you didn't, when, in terms of describing this offensive line, they were soft, right? They were a soft unit. Like We we can't get around that because that's what it was. I think it was, was it Chris Long after the Eagle, after the playoff game, just saying, yeah, the unit was soft. We knew that we would out-physical them. Then that was what has been the What's been holding maybe some of this offense back is that this offensive line couldn't create a push. They just weren't physical enough. get a Larry Borum, you get a Tevin Jenkins. That's that's really not as big of an issue really now as it once was before they got drafted. So it that, again, falls into why he's number three as a rookie of important moves this, this offseason for the future of this Bears organization and really that offensive line being just a, a unit that you can count on that can move people that can be aggressive, that can be nasty and be something that that word soft maybe isn't associated with it anymore.
0: Well, definitely not when it comes to Tevin Jenkins, that's for damn sure. <laughs> yep. No doubt about it. Let's move on. We have a top two now. So the second best move that the bears made this off season, they decided to keep Matt Nagy. Nick, you said this one was more important to, to you than keeping Ryan Pace. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I I think my rankings on your spreadsheet may say otherwise, uh, if I remember correctly. So we have,
1: I have Matt Nagy as number two, you have him at number four and Ryan Pace you had at number three. So you did have, they're very close to me.
0: Like I, it's not that I'm saying they're drastically, you know, like, Oh, Ryan Pace uh, keeping him was by far the best decision. Uh, I With everything I said about Ryan Pace, and you were kind of poking at me about it, this offseason probably doesn't look the way it does uh, without Matt Nagy either. But in your opinion, why is retaining Nagy more important than keeping Ryan Pace? Because you did have them a little bit more apart. I think you don't have Justin Fields without Matt Nagy. I think this, when you look
1: at this pick and how much influence Matt Nagy had in this draft room with Justin Fields, it's paramount. It's it's crucial to why he is now on the Chicago Bears, why the Bears moved up to go get him. He was somebody that watched every single snap of Justin Fields' entire career at Ohio State and even at Georgia for his brief time that he was there. So I think that when you look at why the Bears made this move, it's because Matt Nagy really believed in what what he had there. He also has that connection with Ryan Day, the, the coach for Ohio State. So talking with him and saying that, I think Ryan Day called Fields a generational talent, and yes, maybe that term gets thrown around too loosely, but that obviously stuck with Matt Nagy. And, and when you go and watch every single rep that he's ever played, and now that they got him, obviously he's the one that you know called uh, Justin Fields saying that you're going to you're ready to be a Chicago Bear, and that's you know it always happens with the head coach. But I don't think Justin Fields is here without him. Ryan Pace, who knows how his strategy for getting quarterbacks could have gone. It could have led to maybe, maybe it was a Matt Jones, who knows, but, or Matt Jones. Um, But I think that Matt Nagy, you can talk about his play calling and talk about his questionable in-game decisions, but just looking at the quarterback, this draft, how it played out, he's the guy that I think was the biggest vocal supporter of going up and getting this young rookie and why he's ultimately, you know, process of elimination, right? We're at two. Right. I wonder
0: who's number one on this Bears team. I don't know. We'll find out here soon. Ha! But... Rashad Coward. <laughs> yeah, letting him go by far the best. I Honestly, that could have been a <laughs> top 10. <laughs> but for real, I mean, we did throw Leno Jr. under the bus. We threw Bobby Massey under the bus. We could have done it with Coward, but... I think we had proper expectations for what Rashad Coward gave us. And that's why it wasn't like, yes, they did it. Like, thank you. Like it wasn't that <laughs> hard of a decision uh, to make, but Matt Nagy, we're not talking about Rashad here. We're talking about Matt Nagy. Aggie. Uh, by the way, my very first bullet is big part in field evaluation as well. So just making sure that, you know, uh, that I wasn't sneezing on that fact either. Why I'm excited about Matt Nagy? I, when I just look at this off season, I'm hopeful that some of these moves that we're seeing, Uh, is uh, an indicator that he has learned a a little bit, right? Like, you see all the running backs that we've added. uh, You see the offensive line talent that we're adding, a little bit more aggressive mentality. And I think he's starting to realize, you know, uh, I just can't be past happy. Uh, I mean, maybe you can now with a little bit of a different talent under center if you need to be. um, But I do think he's starting to understand the importance of a more aggressive offensive line, getting one of those, as well as having... You know, true running backs in this offense, uh, something that we talked about in the previous episode, uh, instead of one trick ponies like a Patterson and a Tariq Cohen. And of course, Cohen's still in the mix here, too. And, you know, f- figuring out where he's going to fit in this offense, you know, coming back off the ACL, that's something for a different episode, um, but it's something that's still uh, I'm thinking through uh, myself. But, Nick, uh, when you're looking at what the Bears' offense here in 2021 looks like, the more I think about it, I think we're finally going to find out who Matt Nagy is for better or for worse. Uh, and whether that means, you know, his offense uh, is white years ahead of what we thought it could be. Or, unfortunately, maybe he can't get the most out of his talent still, uh, which is supposedly the reason why I brought him here in the first place. Um, but with all the receivers we brought in, all the linemen we've brought in, all the running backs that we've added to the mix here, and you got yourself uh, a quarterback that should be capable in and Andy Dalton, which he didn't have in Mitch Trubisky, uh, and then you have a quarterback who, in Justin Fields who should be able to elevate everyone around him when he's ready. Uh, I think we're going to finally get to see the best of Matt Nagy, and we saw some good things in 2018, and now we'll need to see it, uh, you know, a little bit more. But weirdly, I have trust that it's going to be good. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, if I'm letting, if setting myself up for a letdown.
1: I don't know either, Will, but there's no more excuses. Matt and Aggie can't point to, oh, I didn't have the blocking. Well, it looks like you should have it now with the, how you've addressed it. Oh, I didn't have the running backs. You have those now, too. You have a plethora of wide receivers. You just got to see how you're going to actually use them. There's like, what, 14 that, that, on the roster right now? I it's one too many for me. I have no idea. Well, <laughs> yes, but there's, there's lots of wider series and then you have such a talented young quarterback in Justin Fields. So for better or for worse, like you said, we're going to see who Matt Nagy is. And that's why it's important. You brought him back because now you get to see, Hey, we gave him one more year. He wasn't the guy. Or maybe we see that vertical passing attack that got him the job in the first place with Alex Smith of all. He was a check down guy for most of his career. And then 2017 happens. And, Alex Smith is passing vertically down the field. You're like, how is this happening? Oh, this Matt Nagy guy is the one who brought it out of him. Can Matt, can we see that? Can we see that now that maybe the proper pieces are in place? We're about to find out in 2021. And
0: if it does it, it'll be gone. And you know what? To be most honest, we saw it in 2018 a bit. And then defense is caught on and Mitch couldn't adjust and Mitch couldn't grow. And things got stunted really quick. So with a different quarterback room here, I think you can get 2017 Alex Smith-ish play from an Andy Dalton. If you're Matt Nagy, you would expect, right? Maybe not to the same top-notch degree, but better than Mitch and somewhere clo- closer to Alex Smith than Mitch Trubisky. How about that? That's the best way I'll explain it. And then, I like that. and then out of Justin Fields, sky's the limit. I mean, there's just so much potential there with Justin as a player, and then what Matt can do uh, from a coaching standpoint. So I think. You know, keeping Matt Nagy here again, just like I said with keeping Ryan Pace, if you let Matt Nagy go, which probably would have meant you let Ryan Pace go, you're starting with a rookie GM who brought in his first ever, you know, rookie head coach candidate. Which looking around the league this year of head coach candidates, I don't know who I would have liked maybe even better. So I think this was a very smart move to, you know, even though everyone was calling for his head, you know, being a little bit patient here. And I think that patience will pay off. Down the road, which again, maybe I'm setting myself up for some you know, letdown here, but that's where I'm feeling right now. All right, Nick, we got one final move uh, to discuss here that the Bears have made this off season, and uh, I think everyone knows what it is. I'm going to quit stalling now. The Bears' best move of the off season is none other than drafting. You guessed it. Justin Fields. Nick, I have two words in my notes about this, but I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more than that. I put franchise quarterback.
1: I have no brainer for the number one move. So it this is this going to propel the Bears to maybe get to a point in, in their franchise that they've never been before, having a guy uh, this caliber guy. Or it could go, again, how we've seen – every single other year with bears quarterbacks, but this is so important because it almost is like a restart for what could happen with this franchise and getting away from, you know, Mitchell Trubisky and and things like that. But it's a no brainer can change. And yeah, I don't really have many notes here, but it can change everything if bears finally get this right.
0: See, Nick, the best moves, you don't need notes. We can just say, we can talk about Justin Fields all day and what it means to us uh, as fans, what it means to the players, uh, on this football team, what it means to the franchise as a whole and its trajectory, and it's so again like just the fact that the odds were so stacked against us, right? Like there's there's really no way this should have happened. No way Justin Fields should have fell to number eleven. Atlanta should have taken him. They didn't. That's a whole another thing right now. But still, like there's no way like the chances of getting Justin Fields or any f- quarterback that you can say could be franchise altering was slim to none. And they exhausted so many options. And again, as much as the months of February and March and most of April felt for us, like we were kind of like hesitant, like, where's this thing going? And then you get to the end of April, early May. Man, do I feel good about, you know, where I am now compared to I was a month ago. And again, sometimes a little bit of persistence and a little bit of patience and sometimes a little bit of good luck can turn into something special. And when you're just looking at, you know, my life as a Chicago bears fan outside of Jay Cutler, there's no one else that's had this kind of level of talent under center for the bears in my lifetime.
1: I completely agree with that. And I love the way that he kind of just approaches everything. It's that business like mentality. And Matt Nagy has said that his teammates have seen that from him already. And I think the quote that's going to resonate and will be on banners one day if, you know, everything plays out the way it should. He's like, he said, I'm made for this, right? When handling the pressure of always being under the spotlight, I'm made for this. I was born for this or that that was like the other part of it. But for the, for what we've seen from Justin Fields throughout his entire life, you go watch QB one back when he's in high school, what he's done at Ohio state on the biggest level, the best competition, he is made for, for everything that's about to embark on his journey of being the Chicago Bears starting quarterback when it fa- finally happens because that is no easy task for, for anybody, right? It's not, but if there's one guy and he hasn't taken a snap in a regular season game, preseason game, obviously, but I just feel that when he says, I'm made for this, I believe it. Yep. I, I just I just believe it wholeheartedly that he is because that's just who he is that's what he's always been that's what he wants to do and being 11th or the 11th overall pick and seeing those quarterbacks ahead of him that chip on his shoulder will you already know with how he carries himself he's going to want to prove those those all those first 10 teams that pass on him wrong and he's going to have an opportunity to play some of those teams and i cannot wait to see what he does
0: Uh, if there's anyone that can write the ship that is the tragic history of Chicago Bears quarterbacks. I think it could be Justin Fields. Uh, you talk about QB one. I finally was able to binge that. Boy, did I learn so much about this kid. Like, and that's who he was. Like you said, his senior year of high school. You know, top high school quarterback in the country. You know, going through adversity, losing some games in the season, bouncing back. And what I love when I was watching it. And I was watching him correct his teammates like they weren't practicing right. They weren't running the right routes. They didn't do the right checks. And he's holding them accountable in high school. And then you go to minicamp, right, rookie minicamp over the weekend. And that same thing comes out from the Bears coaches that he's already doing that here in Chicago. And I was already waiting to say that in the notes preparing for this show. And then I heard this already coming out in the pros. And I'm like, I love that uh, about this kid. <laughs> And unlike other quarterbacks uh, that we've had, like a Mitch, right? Mitch had so many question marks coming out, but you're kind of betting on the potential. Justin Fields, I can't find a true question mark. He has every tool that you want. He has the speed, the physicality, the you know the durability, the toughness, the deep ball. Uh, power, Like he can, he has a rocket for an arm. He can, uh, he's as accurate as they come. He has the right touch. He can make the right calls. He can throw guys open. I mean, I can just keep rattling off things that he does well. And I know he hasn't played a snap in the NFL and things get a little bit harder, but everywhere he's gone, he's been, you know, someone that can rise to the occasion, bigger moments too. He can step up even to that next level, that extra gear. And we've never seen that here in Chicago. I don't care. I mean, I'm a big, you know, someone that's missed Jay Cutler watching other quarterbacks struggle since his departure. But this is a whole different vibe around Justin Fields. And in many ways, he's bringing Bears fans together. Like, we can agree, like, this is a good move. And there's not a lot uh, in my lifetime that I can think of Bears fans, you know, on every end of the spectrum coming to an agreement on a single kind of move. Some are a little bit more hesitant than others, but I think everyone agrees this was an epic decision that can end up having huge positive impacts on not just 2021 but the next decade plus
1: yeah this wasn't a polarizing move this was the consensus that this the move that everyone was praising the bears for because again of what everything you said will of what justin fields brings to the table i think what can cause hesitancy from bears fans is going back through history like you were mentioning seeing what what the Bears have had in the position. But, look, this is the first time where throughout his career, like, he's succeeded and had success everywhere he's gone. Why does that just go away because he's on the Bears? It, it doesn't. He, he He's this kind of player. So that's where it's tough, too. Like, as Bears fans, we're just so prone to disappointment, especially at this position that you just, oh, even though Just Fields had all the success in his career – He's not going to do it with the bears cause it's the bears. But for so far since he's been playing that quarterback position, all he's had is success. So it's not just, it doesn't just magically end because he's now rocking the orange and blue with the bears. So that's, that's something that when we finally see him play, when we finally see those, those passes downfield to Darnell Mooney connected where he's run, he's taking it himself and scoring a 40 yard touchdown and, just making plays that we're not used to seeing, we can have a little reassurance that the Bears have a franchise quarterback, so now you have to watch out. It's not just a team that has defense. They can light you up with number one there, and that man, when that starts happening well,
0: whew, I cannot wait. Dude, It's it can't come soon enough, but I'll be – I think the off offseason, uh, I've said this so many times, right? Patience persevered. If we need to be patient to allow him, as you said – be the best version of himself when he takes to field. You know, as eager as I am, as instant gratification as the world is today, I will try my best to be patient. Now, if Andy Dalton goes out there and lays a couple goose eggs, I'm gonna put this episode on to remind myself, patience. It's not about what we're doing right away, it's not about Andy Dalton, it's about what's best for Justin Fields. And I mentioned everything that he does well, and I totally forgot to mention he's the as sharpest attack as too. Super bright kid. And humble and hungry, the right kind of attitude. And boy, man, if this if this hits, it's it changes life. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And you know what, man?
1: Like so, will when you guys, uh, you and Mason went live, we're breaking down the the schedule. I'm like, man, everyone's got a good fade. Like you had a good nice fade, Mason had a nice fade, and was, of course, that's where my mind goes to when I see some of these things. Like I didn't, I didn't get a haircut yet, Justin Fields. Whew. sharp fade there so he keeps the the good quarterback hair that we've actually seen with Trubisky Cutler has good hair so it's a stupid thing that I'm ranting or talking about but it's there which everything is there with Justin Fields even everything. the hair looks on point can
0: you name one concern that you have other than just the general is it gonna pan out like there's not one thing about his personality uh who he is on the field and who he's off the field that i'm like that's the red flag or that's the one to watch i don't have any of those but you may and that's okay to be a little critical
1: yeah we have to be a little bit here try but something something that he pointed to uh it's called fourth fourth and long it's with mark sanchez it's it's a great episode you guys just go watch it on youtube it's hour long but something that he pointed out is that he tried to it, it was in the indiana game he tried to be superman trying to do a little bit too much where he's holding on to the football a little bit too long. And that, you know, can cause some mistakes to happen. So for Justin Fields, I bet you when he gets out there, maybe at times he's going to feel like I want to do everything. Cause look, I want to prove people wrong. I want to show that I am way better than the 11th overall pick in this draft. And there are probably going to be times. Well, especially in his rookie season where he's going to do some of those things, but not that it's a huge concern but he's just has to grow from that and know that you have guys like alan robinson who are you know all pro pro bowl wide receivers they can make plays too you have david montgomery back there you can rely on tevin jenks to hold that block a little bit longer so you don't have to scramble so that's i think just for for justin fields who can do everything who can be superman sometimes you don't have to do it every single play. And that's something that he he talked about himself. So that will be the one thing that I'll be looking to see each game, how he kind of handles the situation, what's kind of going on. If they're down, what's happening, but that'll be something I'll be looking towards uh, just watching him develop throughout his career.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. Throughout his career, not just the next year or so. We have a career to break down with Justin Fields. I don't know if I said that on a live show are in the green room after uh, we drafted him, But I think we're around episode 550 uh, at the time. And, you know, it it wears you down a bit. It's a grind what we do. And I'm like, I can do 550 other episodes right now, and we can just go. Like Justin Fields' era begins today. And it just it's revitalizing for me. I know it is for you. I know it is for a lot of Bears fans. I still can't imagine the impact that, you know, we talked about him as a player, him as a leader uh, on this team too. Uh, I think that's another underrated element of his game. Uh, someone who's a quiet leader, um, but he is someone that, with his personality, uh, I think he can really have the guys believing too. Like, hey, we got a guy who can, you know, take this to the next level and just raising that energy and that belief. Uh, I expect good things to follow that uh, as soon as we can get him on the field. And heck, there could be. A little added bonus before he even reaches the field, just because they know what's waiting uh, underneath the wings as well. Anything else about Justin Fields, though, as to why he's number one? Not that we've been gushing over him for God knows how long.
1: No, well, we we could be talking about different aspects of him all day, little snippets, anecdotes that you see in QB, well, whatever, like YouTube videos, but it it just changes everything that you have a guy like that. And I'll leave it at that because, again, we can go – Repeat, we'll probably repeat information and go on and on and on. But Justin Fields is number one. Where's number one? That's that's all it that needs to be said.
0: Done. Any final thoughts on the top 10 uh, as a whole? Uh, I know I kind of had you kick it off uh, with just any prefacing, so anything you want to conclude with?
1: I think the only one, and like as we were kind of talking about when you were talking about Ryan Pace, that was the one where. I guess that was what well, that was the furthest one in our top 10 I think where the where we had the largest gap of where we had them
0: mm-hmm.
1: but other than that I think it was a I don't I don't know if predictable is the right word but our top 10 these are moves that impact the bears not just in 2021 but for year years to come like we were just saying with Justin Fields and that's why they are where they are and why we kind of ranked them the way that we did so it's a it's a top ten that hopefully when we look back at it, the Bears are in a better place because of these top top moves that have happened in this twenty twenty one offseason.
0: Gonna said it any better myself, Nick. You know what this means though, now that we're done with the top twenty five countdown, right? And looking at our calendars.
1: Uh yes. So we we have a series coming up and I'm looking forward to it, Will.
0: I got some details because I think people need to know, because if you're listening to the podcast itself, that should come out on Monday. Uh, So I'm going to use actual dates here for you and not to say next Thursday. Um, But on May 27th, we're beginning our annual summer series, which I love countdown to camp. Uh, We're going to do something though, a little bit new. So if you don't know what countdown to camp is, by the way, because not everyone listening may know uh, it's where Nick and I take the entire summer uh, and we go week by week. Uh, Sometimes we get a couple episodes in each week and we just go through every position uh, on this bears roster. We discuss every single player that is heading into training camp. We set the stage for the biggest storylines and battles to follow at camp. Uh, To me, I don't think there's a better resource out there to be fully prepared for the upcoming season and to be informed on the entire roster top down than what Nick and I can provide you uh, on this podcast. And usually we go you know, offense, all the positions, defense, all the positions, and then special teams either to kind of kick it off or to wrap it up. And I told Nick, I want to do something different. Instead of just going one way, than the other, we're going to alternate. So kind of keep things a little bit fresh this year. So we're going to start on offense. We're going to end on offense. And it's going to be a lot of fun uh, in between. So next week to kick off countdown to camp 2021, we're going to begin in the trenches with the Chicago Bears offensive line. Uh, Some things already on my radar that I'm going to be looking into. Is Sam Mustafer ready to start at center? Uh, Who's going to start at tackle now, now that both starters from a year ago are gone? Which tackles? Uh, Is it going to be Jermaine Effetti, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, uh, Elijah Wilkinson? How's that all going to play out? Uh, How does a healthy James Daniels impact this unit? What are reasonable expectations for Tevin Jenkins if he does start at left tackle? And I guess this is a big question I just thought of. Is this the deepest that we've seen this unit in years? I can't wait to kind of dive into that discussion. We'll discuss that in debate. All of those things and a whole lot more when we kick off Countdown to Camp 2021 on Thursday, May 27th, next time on the Chicago Audible. But until then, bear down, Chicago. (laughs)